This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. We'll have two hours of advanced analysis, the X's and O's, headlines around the NBA, and breakdown of your Utah Jazz. Here are your hosts, Zach Harper and Andy Larson, on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops Show, ESPN 700, 702, Thursday. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson. Andy's the beat writer for the Utah Jazz at KSL.com. He's the managing editor of SaltCityHoops.com, and you can find him on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. I'm the co-host of Gunther and Ben right here on ESPN 700, 2 to 6, Monday through Friday. You can find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. Andrew, excited to do another Salt City Hoops show with you. Yeah, it's always fun, and this is a fun time of year. You know, we're still... Uh, trying to figure out the the NBA draft, trying to see who what the Jazz are going to be doing. And there's a lot of movement in the draft this time of year. Um, we're going to talk about one prospect in particular that's, that's moving. But, all, of course, with the NBA Combine uh, actually happening as we speak, there, there's a lot of movement in terms of uh, learning what guys' measurements are, learning what their strengths and weaknesses are on the floor. And for the end of the first round, beginning of the second round, guys, their play in the NBA Combine really changes how they play. We saw last year Kyle Kuzma right. move up into the end of the first round from just like based on what he did in the NBA Combine. Early 50s, late 40s yeah. was kind of where he was being talked about and played himself into the borderline first round, had some good workouts, specifically with the Lakers. Apparently had a, you know, not a Donovan Mitchell-like workout with the Jazz, but good enough that they said, yeah, we know we're going to draft you in the first round. We heard about that, what, a day or two, I think, before the draft, that there was a promise for Kuzma in the first round. And sure enough, the Lakers ended up drafting him and look smart for doing it. Yeah. Uh, And it seems like there are a couple guys who have gotten those promises early, at least based on their pulling out of the NBA combine, pulling out of their other workouts. So we're going to be talking about that. Uh, We'll take your questions at Andy B. Larson at Ben's Hoops on Twitter is the best way to get in touch with us. We always love to hear from you. And uh, we do have a question from Spandex Larry on Twitter. Yeah, so we are in the off season. We can take any off season questions. Yeah, uh, asking is there anything Houston could get to give to the Jazz to take on the contract of Ryan Anderson? I think he could fit here, but that contract is rough. Uh, I would absolutely do that kind of deal if Ryan Anderson had one fewer year on that deal. Was it two years fifty left? Got two years left. Uh, if he had only one year left, then sure, you know why not spend one year of twenty eighteen money, uh, which you're, doesn't look like you're going to be able to do a ton with in the free agency market. And keep all of your assets at a Ryan Anderson and, and, you know, figure out how to do that. Um, As is, I don't think there's anything Houston can give to the Jazz to take on that contract. They've given up most of their assets in the Chris Paul trade, right? Uh, I think they can give up like a 2023 first round pick, but that's what we're talking about. Um, So, sure. I mean, if you want it, if they wanted to give up an unprotected pick from that far out, maybe you do it. Um, but in terms of like real assets, they could take on Alec Burks' contract, but that's only one year. You know that only makes up uh, eleven, twelve million dollars of of that Ryan Anderson forty five, fifty million dollars left. You so. just do the three non the three non guaranteed deals, which is Tabo Sefaloshek, Bayudo, and Jonas Drebko, plus Alec Burks in exchange sure. for Ryan Anderson and an unprotected twenty twenty three first round pick is actually kind of interesting because you have no idea what Houston's going to be, and that's why they always say. Don't trade unprotected first-round picks, especially ones that are that far away, because you might be the worst team in the league by then. Right. Now, Daryl Morey is smarter than that and wouldn't send you a unprotected first-round pick to get out of Ryan Anderson. Unless they were trying to sign LeBron James this offseason and okay. needed to clear that money, and then they would do it. And then the question is, do the Jazz want to give LeBron James 
to the Houston Rockets? Is it worth just one unprotected first-round pick? In all honesty, yeah. you're giving them LeBron James if you do that, and you're taking on a bad contract for the next two years. You're paying $50 million for Ryan Anderson so they can pay $50 million for LeBron. You probably ask for more than one first-round pick. Yeah, you're, you're closing that window for yourself a little bit over the next two to three, however many years LeBron signs that contract for in the world where he would sign with the Houston Rockets. But Ryan I don't Anderson know probably they... makes the Jazz better. That's the thing. Ryan Anderson helps the Jazz. So he does make yeah. you. No, he doesn't make you better than Houston with LeBron. But helps I think you a little bit. I, I mean, he helps you more than Alec Burks and Ekbe Udo. Maybe Ekbe is okay. Uh, he probably helps you better than Alec, and he yeah. takes all of Jonas Drebko's minutes. Sure, and you know, you may be one or two wins better that season, and you're still going to get just smoked whenever you play Houston in the playoffs. You know, and then probably yeah. you're you can't play Ryan Anderson against Golden State either, and so you know, I, I don't know. You're just out of. Out of options, you're paying fifty million dollars for a non guarantee or for a unprotected first round pick. Yeah, probably and, too much. And then the Houston needs to shed salary to sign LeBron or whoever. Uh, they they also probably have to give up Chris Paul and Clint Capella in order to open up that cap space. Uh, they own bird rights on Chris Paul. Yes, because it was a sign in trade. Actually, I, yeah. well, he's only got one year deal. He, he's this was one no, this year. Was, it was a it wasn't he wasn't a free agent at the end of the year, was he? Or was it? He's a free agent at the end of this year, right? But at the end of last year, no, I'm he, to remember he was that. not. No, I don't think he signed a one year deal. Right. So he still he, the Rockets have his his bird right, so they can they sign him for whatever. And same with Clint Capella. Agreed. But then you wouldn't be able to sign LeBron James on top of Chris Paul and James. You can't sign LeBron first and then sign those guys after. No, because they have the, you've got uh, cap the, holds on the those guys. Hold. All right, that makes sense. So uh, good to know. So yeah. you have to let Clint Capella walk. At least let yeah. Clint Capella walk. And then clear Ryan Anderson's salary. And I, even with Harden and Paul and LeBron, I don't, I, that might just be enough to not – you can't do it. Huh. And, you, I mean, uh, and then those guys negotiate lower contracts, maybe. ideally. Sure. Which is possible. Yeah, you can't do it with James Harden, but you could with Chris and LeBron and maybe get you know some percentage of the banana boat together and you're, you're happy. But, um, yeah, I, if, let's put it this way, though. If – the, if Houston wanted to do that and open up space for LeBron, uh, there would be teams that would be more willing to help them than the Utah Jazz. And so you might find a a Minnesota, or, or I mean, every a, team a in Sacramento the Eastern Conference, or a take LeBron. <laughs> yeah, or an East, exactly. You know what I mean? Like you, you might have someone who's more willing to take that first round pick for Ryan Anderson's contract than the Jazz. Uh, again, tweet at us at Andy B. Larson at Ben's Hoops on Twitter. We would love to hear from you. Uh, that's what uh, that's what kind of pushes this show forward, but we do come with a fully planned show. But if that gets pushed out of the way yeah. because we're answering your questions, we're always happy to do that as well. Uh, McCord Larson asked right before our show, actually, thoughts on a possible Brooke Lopez pickup? And I'm just very out on that idea. How much time and money does he have left? I, it doesn't matter to me. I, I Like, honestly, I would take him for... Uh, he's so bad defensively that I think he just kind of ruins what you do. Um, can't rebound at all. And I think he's a free agent. Okay. So, yeah, you're not paying him. I, I mean, four million dollars. Honestly, because you already have the best center. Problem. You already have the best center in the NBA, so right. you're simply doing it because he shoots five threes a game, and he's good insurance if Rudy goes down. But you're not paying him fifteen million dollars a year. Jazz no, aren't. You're sure. probably giving him four million dollars a year, but he's going to go get ten somewhere. You think? I don't think Brook Lopez gets that, and uh, with his play last season, and in this market of nobody needs a center. Uh, 13 points per game last year, four rebounds, hair under two assists, uh, shoots 34% from the three-point line, 46% from the floor, with an effective field goal percentage over 50%, which is an okay number, 16 PER. I mean, he's not okay. disserviceable. 
He's not unusable. And in his prime, and again, he was not being used the way he's going to be used at his next team with the Lakers because I think the Lakers are more focused on their other young yeah, players developing. As they should be. He is a career 18.7 rebound guy. I, he'll get money. He can help somebody. Lakers were worse with him on the floor. Again, maybe that's because he's coming off the bench sometimes with that. I, 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 actually, he started 72 of the 74 games he played in. I, I, I don't think. I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it if I'm the Jazz. I'd do it for $4 million. He's worth $4 because I think he's an okay backup, and I think you play smarter. I, we don't know if Luke Walton's a good coach or not. So uh, in the world where you, do, where you don't sign Derek Favors, you get Brooke Lopez instead. Sure, for $4 bucks. Yeah, take that. Absolutely. I'm not saying I, I would. I would. You can't I play know. him at the four. No, you can't play him at the four. He's your backup center for Rudy. There's going to be 20 games a year where you need him to start because Rudy's going to get hurt Rudy for 15 games hurt. a year. $4 million bucks for a guy who can do that? Hell yeah. That's a good deal. <laughs> uh, you can also give us a call, 877-353-0700. Uh, Udo or Brooke Lopez? Brooke Lopez is better. Uh, How much are you paying Udo next year? $4 million? No, uh, less than that, right? I I thought he was lower, but maybe could be, right. you, you could be right. He certainly. Okay. I mean, yeah, we're talking about two million dollars, two percent of the. It, if we're talking about a difference, yeah, of three point three. You're talking about seven hundred thousand dollars. Again, he's going to get more than four million dollars, though. He's I don't gonna, know that he is. I just I, don't I know bet, that there's that market. I bet he signs like a one year, nine million dollar contract mm, okay. with somebody, and then maybe signs a two year, twenty million dollar deal. That won't surprise me at all. He's thirty, and he hasn't helped a team. There's yeah. a lot of guys who don't help teams Five that years. sign big contracts. There's a lot of guys. And uh, I think you can wrap your head around how he could help your team. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he'd need to, it would be his first good team uh, since the first year he was kind of that Darren Williams Brooklyn, Brooklyn Nets team, uh, which is, I don't know, a li- again, discouraging to me. I, I think there's a reason that he's just never a plus in plus minus stuff. If I'm and if I'm uh, the New Orleans Pelicans, Pelicans if I'm New Orleans Pelicans, I'd give him two years, twenty million instead of Boogie. Because well, he's not going to sign two years, twenty. No, I, I agreed. But You're replacing Boogie with Brooke Lopez. He doesn't have to do very much. You don't need him as a low post defender because he's not a low post defender. You need him to spread the floor alongside Anthony Davis, and he can do that. Okay, I'll do it. I'm happy with that. Um, it's better than Alexis and you, you let Boogie go. Probably let him go anyways because he's going to go make a bunch of money somewhere. That, I mean, if, if you don't, you're talking about Boogie as or uh, Brooke Lopez as your fourth man, fourth big. I mean, yeah, oh which, yeah, right, yeah. You're letting Boogie go. I think you're already resigned to the fact that you're letting Boogie go. Oh, I think I think they keep Boogie at, at this point, huh? Because uh, there's not a lot of again, there aren't a lot of suitors for Boogie, and I think Anthony Davis doesn't want to play center long term. I think Anthony Davis likes Boogie. Uh, so what would you rather have, Boogie Cousins at four years? Let's say he gets eighty million, which might be conservative. Yeah. Or Brooke Lopez at two years and sixteen million. Probably Boogie. At four years and, and Boogie 80 is like a problem and all that. Huh. He is Brooke Lopez in my mind. I again and and this is me looking at how his teams have played with him on the court. I don't see how he is a guy who contributes to a winning team. Okay. That's fair. I think you like uh, surrounding him potentially with Anthony Davis. He's never had a good front court player with him anywhere he's ever been. Probably true. I don't know if he's ever had a good player next to him. The best <laughs> play- who's the best player Brooke Lopez ever played? This is a real side tangent for a well, Salt City Hoop yeah. show. <laughs> is it Devin Harris? It's Darren Williams. Or, okay. you know, that Brooklyn team. Yikes. I guess he had, what, an old Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett? And Darren Williams and Joe Johnson. You know, yeah, I guess so yeah. that, that was a good team. That was a 49-win team. 49 wins. Uh, Oof. That did not work out. 
That experiment did not work out very well for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, where do you want to go, Andy? What do you want to talk about? you want to talk about the draft workouts we were at? Do you want to talk about the uh, NBA draft lottery now that we know the order? Yeah, I want to talk. Let's talk about the lottery, and in particular, Phoenix Suns winning the number one pick. First of all, I want to give congratulations to Igor Kokoshkov because that's I, I think it's cool that Phoenix is getting that number one pick. For a lot of years, they were uh, in that realm or slated to be number one or number two and moved down to four or five, and, and that kind of movement hurts your franchise a ton. You know, you horribly get, instead of you get Josh Jackson instead of Jason Tatum or you know whatever that looks like, um, and it it just hurts you a lot. But um, now that they're the number one pick. Who would you take beyond between DeAndre Ayton and Luka Doncic? Honestly, I'd probably go DeAndre Ayton. Why? I think I like, and I, this is still maybe this is outdated, but I, I don't know if it is yet. I still like the idea that I trust American basketball more than European basketball as far as translatability. I still okay. am more confident in a guy who played at that high of a level, playing at Arizona, who was a blue chip kid forever. And Luka Doncic has been on the radar for several years now as well. Yeah. And going up against better competition than DeAndre Ayton has and dominated in a similar fashion. I like the idea, especially because he's in Arizona right now, that the cultural impact is not going to be enormous. The cultural change is not going to be a huge difference sure. for him. Uh, I would argue that we know more about Luka as a prospect than we do about DeAndre. Because we have hundreds of uh, international games of, of Lucas and, you know, 25, 30 games of DeAndre Ayton's. Uh, what are the things that Luka Doncic doesn't have that could potentially be red flags when he gets to the NBA? I think there's one. It's the athleticism. It's the athleticism. Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's real. How many top-tier, like top-tier, number one overall pick guys don't have at least – Good to great athleticism because I don't even think he's as athletic as Gordon Hayward, and Gordon Hayward is not a top tier athlete. He's a good athlete. He's not a top tier yeah. athlete. Um, yeah, I mean they're they're. I mean well, James I would Harden say, has good, not great, but right. it's, his quickness is very good, and he's the best ball handler in the league at six foot six. Best ball handler in the league. We, I mean, we we're going off on so many tangents right now, but uh, like. Kyrie is a better ball handler in okay, my mind. Okay, Kyrie's Steph a better, is a better ball, ball handler. handler in my mind. Okay, we're talking. Okay, but he's in that conversation. You're right. He'll I'll take Jim Steph Martin and Kyrie, good. and then he's probably what number three, number four. Yeah, and he's that size. He's got that type I'm of sure dominant like strength. Kidding, yeah, Jamal Crawford, but who cares? Uh, yeah, I'm talking. <laughs> you know, top level player. He's got that elite skill set that does allow him with his quickness to have that type of success. Sure. But yeah, I, he I, I would put him top five there. Yeah, and so Luke, that's that's the worry is that Luka Doncic is is skill not athleticism and so you have to be in order to be a skill player with with average athleticism you have to be extremely skilled uh you know you have to be not Steph Curry skilled necessarily but you know James Harden skilled Steph in that realm of being one of the most skilled people to ever play the game I think he has a he has a shot to get there um the shooting is not there which is which is scary but in terms of his basketball IQ, in terms of the, his playmaking, in terms of his passing, uh, he's he's great and is is maybe I I mean I think he's the best European prospect of all time. Probably yeah. To this point, yeah, absolutely. Uh, DeAndre Ayton is a once in a generation, hopefully big man. I mean, you hope that he's a once in a decade big man. You think? I think he's in that caliber. I think. I mean, we in my mind, we've seen big men like him come out in the last decade. You know, I I think sure. we've seen. We've seen JoJo Embiid. We've seen uh, Andre Drummond. To me, as a similar 
kind of prospect. I think he's significantly better than Drummond was at UConn. Okay. Significantly better. Uh, and There are same, some similar questions. You're a big guy who blocks some shots but doesn't really have an impact defensively. That's scary. We started to see some of the issues with Carl Anthony Towns this year, who's great and does everything you want him to and shoots the three. And DeAndre Ayton looks like he's going to be able to shoot the three. He shot 34%. And only one attempt a game, but has a jump shot that makes you think he's probably going to be able to step out and shoot it. He's a 73% free throw shooter as an 18-year-old or 19-year-old now. He's going to be able to hit an 18-footer. And he already hits it regularly. Yeah. Uh, he had okay guard play. He has NBA guards that he's playing with. I actually think sometimes NBA guards you play with in college can hurt you because okay. generally the NBA guards you're playing with aren't, you know, uh, Milos Teodosic. <laughs> They're not out there trying to set up their guard. NBA guards right now playing at the, at the college level are generally scorers. Raleigh Elkins was a scorer. Alonzo Trier was a scorer. Those guys aren't out there dishing to the big man, knowing how to run the pick and roll, sure. playing like Chris Paul. Okay. No, they're kind of actually taking away from you in that sense, where once he starts getting with NBA guards who know that the value of having a bid band next to you actually makes you a better player, I think he can make you look great. Look at what Chris Paul has done for Clint Capella. Yeah. Now, they don't have a point guard in Phoenix. They don't have that guy either. Right. I don't trust that they have that guy yet. They've got the number 16 overall pick, I think. They can go get Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Obviously got it. Devin Booker. Go get... Uh, Go get Colin Sexton if he's still on the board at number 16. He probably won't be, but maybe he is. And then you've got Josh Jackson. And now all of a sudden I love your length. I love your athleticism. You've got shooting. You might have shooting at all. Well, what? At your shooting guard, small forward. Maybe you want to put Josh Jackson as your power forward, whatever. Get rid of Marquise Chris. He's a bum. And then you have a center in in DeAndre Ayton who can spread the floor as well. I I get it all. Now, Luka Doncic makes sense too. I'm not trying to say I don't like Doncic. I do. I'm just talking like the narrow gaps between the number one player overall and the number two player overall. I might be more confident taking DeAndre Ayton. Okay. Yeah, and I, 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 for what it's worth, Vegas is in your favor. Uh, they have Ayton as the overall favorite to be the first pick in the in the 2018 NBA draft. Um, it's five to 14 odds if you understand odds. That's you know it's what 70 percent or so. And look, um, this is not. I don't think this is Kevin Durant and Greg Oden because I don't think you've got two guys who you think have chances to be mega superstars. I don't know if Doncic has—he's not LeBron. Just because he can do everything, I don't think he's LeBron. We did kind of have this conversation with Greg Oden of can he be the next Shaq, even though they were talking more David Robinson, but having an impact like Shaq, and is is, uh, Kevin Durant going to be—we never see anything like it. We, and certainly even in the one-and-done era at that point, you didn't have guys who were going and playing one year and dominating the way he did at Texas, yeah. where he averaged whatever 25 points a game like he did. We And I don't know if we've actually seen a one-and-done prospect as good as him since him. I mean, he's the second-best player in the league. Yeah, so, no, yeah, we certainly have not seen a player that's that, that, that's that good. Doncic is not in that conversation with Kevin Durant. He's not right. going to be the best player in the league in five years. And that was a question with Kevin Durant. And he is competing with LeBron as far as the best player in the league goes. And I don't think DeAndre Ayton's in the competition to be the best player in the league either. But could he have a Joel Embiid-like impact? I don't think he's as good a player in college as Embiid was at Kansas, but I still think he can be very good. And I think that difference is is big to me. You know, like, I if you look at, maybe not, what what would you make as, as Ayton's, like, likely level comp not his you know his ceiling is somewhere Embiidish. uh his floor is somewhere DeAndre Jordan is, is I feel comfortable saying that. DeAndre Jordan I really feel comfortable DeAndre saying Jordan. DeAndre Jordan that's his likely or his floor likely okay and to me would you rather have DeAndre Jordan or Gordon Hayward 
and is Gordon Hayward the uh, that's the likely uh, comp for Luka Doncic? Yeah, and maybe you know maybe Gordon is actually a little bit better than the likely comp for Luka Doncic, who might be a little bit worse. But you know, like pre All Star Gordon Hayward. I, I think I think I'd rather have Gordon Hayward. Okay, and I don't think you're wrong. Honestly, I don't think you're wrong with that. I think the idea that we need to get past. It. First of all, would you rather have a perimeter score that gives you twenty points a game or a low post score that gives you twenty points a game? Perimeter, easy. Absolutely, I agree with you one hundred percent. And Doncic might be a twenty point per game perimeter score. There's huge value in that. Yeah. I mean, you you could again, really, it's not even on the floor stuff. Some of it is off the floor of the translation from Europe to the U.S. Sure. And Aiden, I think, has done it. You know, and I know he's not born in the U.S. either, but he's a guy that uh, we've seen play at Arizona. And dominate at the level he did. But for Doncic, he's going to be going to the NBA with his Slovenian national team head coach, Igor. If, you, if, if Phoenix does draft a number one, Igor Kokoshkov. And they will, and you know that Igor knows how to use him well against NBA-level talent like he experienced last year in, in, the, Euro, in the Euro Championship. Uh, to me, that, that connection makes it far less likely that he'll bust. Because you, you already have a coach that knows how to use his strengths and weaknesses against NBA-level talent. He's going to be really good. Doncic is going to okay. be really good. I, I mean, I'm not saying... I, I think he's going to be really, really good. I, I also think DeAndre Ayton's going to be really good. Yeah, I, I agree. I think both of these guys are going to be good, and it's just kind of like what kind of play... To me, that's where what kind of player you want Let me actually make his likely comparison more than best player. DeAndre's probably a stupid comparison. His likely impact on the floor is Carl Anthony Towns. I think he can be that type of player because I think he's really skilled. I also think he's a much better athlete, which is scary. Yeah. I like an overwhelmingly better athlete. I do, he, too. He's going to come in. I don't think in, he's anywhere near as skilled. He's going to come in, I think, as the best athlete at center in the NBA right now. I think day one, he's the best athlete at center. He's got, possible. He's got DeAndre Jordan-level athleticism and a significantly and better skill set. Yeah, significantly better skill set. Uh, yeah, I, okay, so I agree with that. Um, I don't. I don't agree with him as uh, with Carl Anthony Towns being like a okay. close impact because I don't think he's anywhere near that skilled. Yeah, he's got the 18 foot jump shot. I to me it looks like he he's slow. He you know he takes it when teams are giving him sure. five ten feet of space. Um, I don't think he's a great reader in terms of how, you know how to his basketball IQ isn't very good. I don't okay. think he's great at getting to the rim from the perimeter in the way that uh, Carl Anthony Towns can. Okay. Um, I think he's more likely to be more defensively impactful than Towns, but only because of that athleticism, and we don't, we haven't seen him apply the basketball IQ on that side of the ball either. I also think there's a nice opportunity now in the NBA where lesser skilled big men can have bigger impacts. You don't need to be multi-skilled to have a huge impact. Look at DeAndre Jordan. Look at Clint Capella. Go watch Clint Capella shoot around. That dude can barely hold a basketball. I mean, he doesn't catch passes. He looks unnatural shooting the ball. His work on free throws looks like they're starting from square one, even when he's out there with John Lucas shooting before the games. I mean, he looks like he's starting from square one when he's out there. And look at the impact he has on the floor. Now, he's a great defensive player. He's a much better defensive player in the pick and roll and at the rim than DeAndre Ayton is right now. But I think if you can try and teach him some of those things, if you can teach him those things, his lowest case scenario, if that's Clint Capella, you love him. You know, if his lowest impact is DeAndre Jordan, you love him, even though I said maybe that's likely. And I think it would be unlikely that he only gets to that level. I think he can be okay. considerably better. All right. When we come back, uh, let's talk about the other news, though, with uh, Luka Doncic. He might not come over. We're going to break that down. We're also going to talk cool. about the NBA lottery coming up next. Gunther, or ugh, I apologize, the Salt City Hoops <laughs> Show. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700.
The home of the best Utah Jazz and NBA breakdown is right here. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson. You can tweet at us, at Andy B. Larson on Twitter, at Ben's Hoops on Twitter. Andy's the beat writer for the Utah Jazz at KSL.com. I'm the co-host of Gunther and Ben right here, 2 to 6, Monday through Friday on ESPN 700. Uh, first segment, we did break down a little bit the uh, conversation between Doncic and DeAndre Ayton in the NBA draft, and then some news has come out. And I don't know if it's news. I think we're filling in a lot of huge gaps, which is a dangerous thing to do. This is how you build a conspiracy theory. You say, <laughs> well, there's two points, and let's fill them in with our conversation here. And that's that after the the lottery happened, and we knew the order was Phoenix Suns 1, Sacramento Kings 2, Luka Doncic was asked about whether or not he's going to keep his name in the NBA draft, whether that's something he still wants to do. And he said, well, I've got two games left in Europe still, right? I want to make sure I know what goes on there as he's in the European Final Four, the right. EuroLeague Final Four right now. And people assumed that that meant, oh, he doesn't want to be drafted by the Sacramento Kings. Why is that? Do you believe that? Are you skeptical of that? Uh, first of all, the he, David Pick talked to his coaches and teammates about that report, and quote-unquote, they said false and yeah. stupid. Um, and David Pick, if you don't know, is probably the best reporter when it comes to international basketball as it relates to the NBA. Yeah. Uh, so I would say I, I think it's probably false and stupid. Okay. You know, I, th- I think he's probably coming over. I think he's probably coming over right away. Now, I do think that his representation has some leverage there that they can make it hurt for Sacramento to draft him. And they can maybe make it hurt enough that they trade that number two pick for number three and some goodies. But, like, does he want to go to Atlanta? Maybe. I, I mean, we don't I even know who the coach is in coaches. Atlanta. Right. right. Like, there's a Well, they're going to name the – it's the assistant coach from Philly. They're going to oh, hire the right. assistant coach they, from yeah. Philly. But still, like, other than Brett Brown having some international coaching experience in his past, and he had an assistant coach – like what? Why does Atlanta attract you more than living in California? It, it may just be Sacramento is broken, and and Atlanta has like a decent player. And Sacramento's record. never shown that they've developed anybody, right? So I, I think that's real. You know, I honestly I think Atlanta is significantly more well regarded than the Sacramento Kings. Uh, you know, everyone is right. Uh, I do think that you could go the other way too and say, hey, if you uh, if you Sacramento, if you want DeAndre Ayton, you have to give up. Number two plus something, you know, whatever. Buddy healed. I, I don't know. I'm making it up. Uh, and then you, you, but I think pretty clearly he wants to go to Phoenix and be the number one pick and and work with Igor again. Uh, and if they can make that happen, they will. It seems like no matter what, though, everyone who's talked to him knows that he's going to the NBA. So that's going to be a hard sell um, if Sacramento is is bent on on drafting him, and, and you know, I think they should be if he's available at number two. And he's already said he's not going to be doing pre draft workouts. He's not going and doing any of that. He'll probably do a couple of interviews with teams, but he's not going to talk to three teams. He'll probably yeah. only talk to two teams, and may not be willing to talk to anybody. We've seen this before. Chris Dapps Porzingis did one workout. It was the famous one in Nevada, I think, yeah, is where Vegas. he was in I Vegas, and was incredible. Wouldn't talk to Philly. Did not want to go to Philly. Forced them to draft Jaleel Okafor, which you know, when you talk about the process. As good as they are now, they could have been even better had they drafted Chris Stapps Porzingis, but then maybe you miss out on Ben Simmons. Either way, uh, you know, you can freeze yourself out of a team and make sure that they don't draft you. Sure. And, you know, I, I think to some degree he's he's trying to do that, and we'll see how aggressive his representation really wants to be. And, you know, honestly, this is all settled if the Suns decide to go that direction 
with the number one pick. Uh, but uh, uh, to me, I, I don't read too much into that report because I think the the bigger report is what Luca is going to want to do. And honestly, that that's what he should say at this point of the year when he's in the EuroLeague playoffs to say, look, I'm not focused on right now. Uh, I may, st- st- you know, I haven't decided to leave Real Madrid yet. All the kind of things, you know, you're saying the right things when your team's in its most important time of the season. Do you see any scenario where the Jazz trade up this year? Yeah. Um, I-, I could see it if someone wants to dump salary and uh, the Jazz decide that that's their best option for getting, for moving, you know, t- for getting an impact player. So Number 11, the Charlotte Hornets. That's exact. That's the only team. Uh, if they want to get rid of Batum, and for some reason you're willing to take on Nicholas Batum, which is a stretch, yeah. or Marvin Williams. Marvin Williams is more likely to me. And they want the 21 pick, and you take on Marvin Williams, and you trade them, and this works, Udo, Jarebko, Cephalosha, and you get to move up 10 spots, and basically you save them, what, $60 million or whatever it is? Forty-five Less, million dollars. Over yeah, the next Marvin few Williams years. doesn't have oh, that yeah. many years left. Right. But. I'm thinking. Uh, I'm still thinking. Uh, oh, you're thinking uh, of Batum still. But yeah, if you're taking Marvin Williams, yeah, it's like forty-five million dollars over the next three years. You move up to the number eleven spot. I would very heavily consider that. I would consider that. I I think the Jazz still say no because of you know Marvin Williams is thirty, uh, and then it's a he's got two years. Marvin Williams only thirty. Yeah. So he's in, in that Chris Paul, Darren Williams, Andrew Bogut draft. Bogut's That's come true. and gone. That's funny. And uh, yeah, he's thirty because he was eighteen. You know, he was—I think he was the youngest player in the draft that year, coming out of North Carolina. And remember, he never even started for North Carolina because right. North Carolina doesn't start freshmen. Uh, Did yeah. So he's got—he's got two years left. That last year is a player option, which you know you're almost certainly—he's going to almost certainly pick up. So you kind of have that same problem that you do with maybe acquiring Ryan Anderson, but it is five. $7 million cheaper, which gives you a lot more flexibility. And you, you move up to the number last. 11 pick. In right. Houston, we were talking about an unprotected 2023 pick. And at 11, there might be somebody you love. You know, if Mikhail Bridges is going to be there and you're positive, or Miles Bridges is going to be there and you say, you know what, that guy is exactly what we need and we love him, we got a chance to talk to him, I could see it. Now, that being said, if I'm Charlotte, I need to find a way for to, from the franchise, and I don't know for the franchise, and I don't know that moving down from number 11 to number 21 is going to get done. You know, I, I need to give my fans some hope, some good young player. Uh, and, and clearly, last draft didn't do it for them. Maybe you, you take another swing at it uh, at number 11. Uh, and, and, you know, you've just got to get something moving forward for your for your future. I would rather have Malik Monk and hope he develops like C.J. McCollum did in his second season. Okay. And say, okay, you've got this great matchup now with Malik Monk playing next to Kemba Walker, and maybe you do have the East Co- Eastern Conference version of Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum and whoever you get at number 11, as opposed to saying, well, I don't have to pay Marvin Williams anymore, and I've got the 21st overall pick, and I drafted Chandler Hutchison from Boise State. Like you've got a much better chance, I think, of retaining Kemba Walker beyond this season hmm. because Malik Monk's turns Malik Monk turns into CJ McCollum, and then your number eleven pick happens to be Donovan Mitchell esque, which happens because Donovan Mitchell was drafted number thirteen overall or whatever it was. Sure. You have a better chance. Right. The higher you draft to get a, a a guy who ends up being one of the stars, look at Gordon Hayward, look at Paul George, uh, to team with Kemba Walker. Yeah, and then you hope Malik Monk develops in his second season, which is possible. It's rare. I I, I don't think I don't think that's particularly likely i think you know but i don't know why moving back down and saving 45 million dollars with all this out it's not like that's their one problem contract it's keeping them right. from signing lebron this offseason because then you still have to figure out how to get rid of nick batum right agreed and that's that's to me where like okay i don't think 
that deal necessarily works. Then again, I wouldn't have traded Trey Lyles for Tyler Lydon to move up or with, to get yeah. Tyler Lydon and miss out on Donovan Mitchell. That's still an incredible trade. I mean, stupid we, stuff we talk happens. about it literally every week. Stupid stuff happens. Holy cow! I, I mean, I laughed. I laughed on Twitter. I, I made fun of the Denver Nuggets as soon as that deal happened because. I mean, Trey Lyles is just not the kind of player that you you move that much up or down for uh, in the in the draft for. Maybe after his rookie season, where he had been pretty impressive sure. as a rookie, but his sophomore season, a very well run organization had benched him with a very good head coach, and you thought, no, nah, we know better. Yeah. What? And then you got a guy in Tyler Lydon who does the same, but probably worse stuff. Tyler Lydon is a panic pick. Like that's a. Oh no, OG Ananobi's not on the board, and now we have a guy that we like him, but we haven't thought about how he fits with the franchise at all. That's a that's a bad panic pick. All right, here's your uh, draft order as determined. Uh, was it Tuesday night in the NBA draft lottery? Phoenix Suns number one, Sacramento Kings number two. The draft gets interesting at number three because we know Aiton and Doncic are most likely to go one and two. Then we start looking at where the Atlanta Hawks are going to go. And I actually don't think it's a lock that they go with Marvin Bagley, even if a lot no. of people think he is. I wouldn't be surprised if Jaron Jackson ends up going in that spot either because who is it? John Collins they drafted last year. Yep. kind of He's not the same as Marvin Bagley by any stretch, but I think he's more similar to Marvin Bagley than he is to Jaron Jackson. And Jaron Jackson might be a nice front court matchup as he does all that dirty work that John Collins doesn't necessarily do. But he's a very big athlete and can run the floor. I like the idea of Jaron Jackson doing all the def- all the defense around yeah. him. I, I like Jaron Jackson uh, just as a prospect better than Bagley. Um, so, you know, I think if that's the, what they go with at number three, I think that makes sense. Um, heck, you can argue that they just need the guard talent, and Trey Young is not a crazy pick at number three either. No, it's not, and not in this draft. You know, I, I do think the top two picks are sure. I think probably three through... I, I honestly think probably Jaron Jackson and Marvin Bagley are a step ahead. I think today Mo Bamba made himself some money with yeah. his <laughs> measurements. Yeah, He's going to move up in the draft, where you started to hear him talk about maybe at six, maybe at seven, maybe at eight. I would be surprised if he doesn't get drafted in the top five now because you're going to hear comparisons to Rudy Gobert. And fans of 29 teams around the NBA might not be that excited about it, but there are 29 coaches in the NBA who have had to game plan for Rudy Gobert and realize, well, if we can't score in the paint, our offense has been blown up. Mm -hmm. So what do we do? Those 29 coaches are going to talk to their general managers, and the general managers are smart. And they're going to say, yeah, we get what type of an impact player that can be. And he's actually got quite a bit of offensive upside as well yeah. with his ridiculous length. So, and, and, yeah, and he can shoot that three-point shot. And it seems like, I don't know if you've seen the recent clips of him shooting the ball, but his form has gotten a lot better, more compressed. Uh, it, it looks good. So I would draft him at three. I mean, I would I, not be afraid. I would not feel like you reached on Mo Bamba at three. I agree. If you're Atlanta and you have John Collins, do you care? Like, do you think John Collins can play power forward going forward, or is he only a center? To me, he's pretty clearly an NBA center with the direction of the league. Then I wouldn't draft Mo Bamba at five or at three. I wouldn't draft another center. See, and I think you're hoping at three that Mo Bamba is you're, you're, it's the best player available argument, right? I think Mo Bamba is potentially a franchise player, and I just think that the odds that John Collins is franchise player are really small. Um, so... I would have to take Mo Bamba at number three if I think that the gap between Mo Bamba and the rest of the, the group is is big or is significant in any way. To me, John Collins is not the kind of player that you avoid drafting a you don't special want prospect sure. at number three. Uh, and that's where it gets tricky, and maybe Atlanta makes that pick available. 
because Marvin Bagley, Jaron Jackson, and Mo Bamba are probably the most universally consistent three, four, and five picks. Yeah. I don't think there's anyone else who's actually knocking on the door consistently. You could absolutely reach and grab Trey Young. Now, they're going to need a guard because it looks like they're going to have to trade uh, from Atlanta. Uh, who's their uh, point guard that they have right now? Oh, uh, Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder, who has deleted all of his Hawks <laughs> evidence off of his Instagram page and sounds Anything like he may, he may want to be traded off of that team. Yeah, I, I think he is. I think they ran out of patience with him. He ran out of patience with them because he didn't play at the end of the year. As soon as actually the Hawks beat the Jazz, they sidelined Dennis Schroeder pretty immediately to tank, uh, and he wasn't thrilled with it. They weren't thrilled with his work ethic during that time, and it it sounds pretty bad. All right, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit uh, more about the draft. We'll also talk about some NBA playoffs as well, and we'll talk some Utah Jazz, what they could do at twenty one. It's the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN seven hundred. Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700, 749, Andy Larson, Ben Anderson. You can always tweet at us if you want to uh, interact with the show on Twitter, at Andy B. Larson, the managing editor of Salt City Hoops and the beat writer for the Utah Jazz at KSL.com. You can tweet at me, at Ben's Hoops on Twitter. I'm the co-host of Gunther, Ben, right here on ESPN 700, uh, alongside Kyle Gunther, 2 to 6, Monday through Friday. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about the uh, Utah Jazz at 21? You want to talk some NBA playoffs? Uh, let's go Jazz at 21. Okay. And we'll talk about this more uh, coming up in about 10 minutes as well to make sure uh, we get all your Jazz questions covered. If you got questions about the Jazz, maybe some prospects you potentially like at 21. I'll say this. Earlier this week, as I kind of start watching these games and watching players that might be available at 21, and I probably cursed myself by doing this, I watched Chandler Hutchison from Boise State. He's a senior wing, very good size, NBA caliber athlete, with some red flags, which is why he's available at 21, potentially, for the Jazz. Is what that are those red flags? He's a senior. Okay. And he wasn't that good as a freshman or a sophomore. He didn't play a whole lot as a freshman or a sophomore, but he had a breakout year as a junior and then was fabulous as a senior. And you think, okay, well, you know, that's good. He's got NBA size. He's got NBA athleticism. He's really emerged as a much better shooter, but he's not a great shooter. 36%, I want to say, as a junior. 35%, or maybe it was 37%, and then 36% from the three-point line as a junior and then as a senior. Uh, But, you know, doesn't have a ridiculously low shooting percentage anywhere else. He he can score. Uh, You watch him against San Diego State, who was a top 25 program. He scored the first 14 points of the game, ended up with 44 on the night. He was absolutely dominant. Now, don't watch that game (laughs) and think that's who you're drafting. He just had his best game of his career, just so happened against a very good team in San Diego State. But that is encouraging. And that's also why I think he has pulled his name out of the NBA Combine, why he's not doing any more draft workouts, because somebody has absolutely promised him in the first round, and he says that's all I needed, and if you want me to not work out for anyone, yeah, I was here to get guaranteed money. I'm going to get guaranteed money. Let me tell you, I think the team that promised him is Portland. Why do you think that? I don't know. (laughs) I just think that makes the most sense. Okay. I think that they've needed that type of player, because he's Evan Turner, but can actually shoot the ball a little bit. Okay. I think think that's who you hope you're getting in Chandler Hutchison, and if you do— Absolutely, promise that guy. If you think you've seen enough, and you know Boise State and, and Portland are not terribly far apart, I'm sure they saw a bunch of his games live. He, he's a good player. He's a surefire NBA player, which I don't think you can always say with guys at 20, and you can't always say with seniors. Watching him, I have no doubt, with his athleticism, his ability to run the floor, he's an NBA player. And, and honestly, if you're getting that at the bottom of the first round of this draft, which I don't think is particularly great, you know, I think there is some depth there from... 15 to 30 to 40 maybe uh but i you know if you're getting if you think you're getting a surefire nba player at the bottom of the first round 
go out and do it, especially at the wing position. Uh, those guys are those guys are valuable. If if we've learned anything, it's finding surefire NBA talent at the wing is you know you could you could be a player that's making a lot more money than than you thought. I think he's a better prospect than Kyle Kuzma was at this point last year. Huh. No, that's actually not saying a whole lot because every Kyle Kuzma uh, was a bad prospect at this point. I, I think I and I liked him more than you did because I thought at worst, even if he never shoots, he's maybe he's Al Farouk Amino in the first few years of his career. And Al Farouk Amino has been in the NBA a long time. But now, without defense, Kuzma isn't the defensive player, but I liked him as a six foot nine ball handler. He could always pass. He could always rebound at Utah. And I thought, you know what? You find a way to get that guy on the floor, and he has to learn how to play a little bit of defense. But if that's his reason for sticking around, we we've seen guys develop as defensive players. If that's all they can do. To end up sticking around in the NBA, I thought Kuzma would do it. It just so happened he can hit a bunch of weird shots, and that's <laughs> made him a decent offensive player. But every mock draft had Hutchison going in the top twenty-five. No one at this point last year had Kyle Kuzma going in the top twenty-five. So I'm not okay. going out on a ledge saying or going out on a limb saying that he's a better prospect than Kyle Kuzma. But you you kind of get an understanding of who he was, and then yeah, as soon as I said that, we were also learned that he won't work out for the Utah Jazz because he's not working out with anybody. Right, and so, again, so that means he probably does have that promise from someone in the the last ten of the first round, um, and you know wants to protect that team and and go with that team, and and you know if if that's true, more power to him. Um, who else do you like at, at the around that twenty one? Slot is there? Uh, are there any other names? Uh, Aaron Holiday's really interesting. Okay. I, I, I don't think the Jazz. I mean, you're probably better at answering this question. Than I am. Are the Jazz so in love with Howell Neto that they wouldn't try and get an upgrade? Oh, Howell Neto is a free agent, and honestly, I would be not surprised if he came back. I think it is more likely that he does not come back than that he does. Do you think he's still an NBA player next year? Yeah, I think, think he's an NBA player. Him. I think he's a. I think he's proven that. I think there are teams around the league that uh, like and would appreciate that level of stability at the point guard spot although obviously you know the injuries took him in and out this year but I think when he did play he was a pretty solid player throughout um I do think that the Jazz want someone with upside at that backup or third string point guard position I agree with you and I think that's why he makes sense over a team that either has a long-term young point guard that they can rely on and is going to be around for a long time uh or is you know looking to spend the very that's minimum, and that's what I think we'll get next year. I don't think he's going to get a lot of money, but you do want that stability just in case. But he's also not going to be a problem if he doesn't play at all. Yeah, I mean, I could see him. Yeah, I don't think he's getting – this is crazy, but I don't think he's getting Shelvin Mack money, even though right. Shelvin Mack got too much money for what he was. But, uh, you know, I think there are enough people who want uh, that backup point guard spot just kind of taken care of that someone's, someone's going to sign him. I'm more intrigued by Dante DiVincenzo now than I was – Friday before he worked out for the Jazz. And not just because he worked out for the Jazz and I said, oh, I saw him. Now I like him. You know, the, yeah. we the didn't politicians see that much of go out and shake hands. <laughs> you know, he didn't look that big, even though his measurements came out today and said he actually is kind of close to that size he was. It's 42-inch vertical. You start to say, okay, he can shoot the ball a little bit. He's really an overwhelming athlete. Yeah. Those, those things work. Like maybe, and I hate to just do white guy to white guy, but Pat Connaughton's still in the NBA. And it was good this year. He was he was a good rotational wing for the Blazers. And this was year. a freak athlete on a good team at Notre Dame, the same way Dante DiVincenzo's on a good team backup coming out of uh, out of Villanova. And Connaughton never scored thirty one in a in a championship game, right? You know, I I, I think he's got a extra scoring gear that uh, Connaughton never did. Um, but yeah, I, I like him as I I like him as a pick, and I think. Uh, he's not crazy to think about at 21, even though, you know, we were talking about he was the ESPN uh, 33rd ranked prospect uh, in their top 100 last week. 
I think his measurements, his vertical measure today at 42 inches, uh, and honestly, he's gotten decent physical measurements as well, has, has really helped him. He didn't do the five on five today, I believe. Maybe he did. He did, he did play today. Did. Okay. Uh, I apologize. I thought he was going to be one of the guys who pulled his name out. Uh, uh, he's a guy who could jump up some draft boards. I think he's a guy who's going to continue to jump up draft boards. Mo Wagner is interesting. We'll talk more about uh, Mo okay. Wagner and some of these other prospects for the Utah Jazz. When we come back, he's Andy Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. This is the Salt City Hoop Show, Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Back to the analytics, opinions, and best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700 at 8 o'clock. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson. You can tweet at us, at Andy B. Larson. Andy's the beat writer for the Utah Jazz at KSL.com. You can tweet at me, Ben's Hoops. I'm the co-host of Gunther and Ben right here on ESPN 700, 2 to 6, Monday through Friday. Uh, we did want to talk a little bit about uh, where the Utah Jazz are. We talked about them drafting at 21. Here's why it's hard to talk about specific prospects at this point. First of all, we haven't seen the Jazz work out a ton of guys. Yeah. And the more we see the workouts that they bring in, the better idea we will have of who they're going to be drafting. And that's actually unique this year where I think in the past we've narrowed it down to Donovan Mitchell at the very top of what the Jazz could get last year, and even that seemed like a pretty but, major yeah. stretch, to Kyle Kuzma. You know, I sure. think we honestly had a good grouping of 15, 15 guys, guys that you could really focus on. Look at NBADraft.net. Don't look there first, but look there as a you know secondary or third reference. If you have ESPN Insider, look at what Mike Schmitz and Jonathan Gavoni are doing now. Uh, look at the Stepien, as you talked about, as a, a draft website. Guys that will be 15 on one board, 16 on one board, might be 50 on the yeah. next board. It's really hard to narrow down who the top 25 players are in this draft because it's all over the board. And I think there's a top 14. Walt Perrin told us on Saturday he thinks there's a top 15. You know, he's eyeballing it a little bit. I'm sure he was not counting players specifically in his head. And then he says it does open up to about 25 different players that they think they could draft from. That makes it really hard to narrow down, guys. And then there are guys like, it was it Anthony Simmons, or maybe it's Simons, yeah. uh, who no one's ever seen. Was originally committed to Louisville and then didn't go to school and then never went to school. There's uh, the other... Brian Bowen, same thing. Brian Bowen, exact same thing. Mitchell Robinson, exact same thing. Five-star center, was going to go to Western Kentucky and then pulled out, never ended up on campus, and then pulled his name out of the draft this year, or at least pulled his name out of the combine and is not doing workouts either. So you don't know. (laughs) You've never seen him play basketball before. Let me ask you this. Is there any position you wouldn't draft for the Jazz? Uh, I I mean, honestly, at 21, no. Like, if, if you're drafting top, 10, then you need to think about, okay, how is this player going to fit next to Rudy Gobert in order for us to maximize what our, our franchise looks like? Um, but if you get a good backup center at 21, like you're, you're actually still pretty excited about it. Like If you loved Moritz Wagner, who does things totally different than what Rudy Gobert does, sure, who's a center, who shoots the three, who was the best player on a Michigan team that made the national championship, who's been on NBA radars for a long time, if you love that guy, I, yeah, I, I'm with you. Would it feel like you wasted the Tony Bradley pick? Yeah. Sure. And there were guys Whatever. drafted behind him that are going to be an okay player, and you didn't maximize that. But it was pretty – it wasn't no cost, but it was relatively low cost. And, and just because you – again, it, let's say you do draft a, a center there, whether that be Mo Wagner, Jonte Porter, you know, whatever that looks like. Uh, I don't know that that means that Tony Bradley is a waste of a pick, right? Like if he turns out to be good, it, I, I, that doesn't mean that, you know – 
Mitchell Robinson or whoever is is not going to be able to get not be able to show what he can do in limited minutes or show what he can do in the G League or you know there are just so many opportunities for guys to show what they can do that it, you can have too many prospects and trade one of them away and it's it's not a waste uh, if all of them are good. Well, one of the things you did want to talk about was how do the Jazz catch up currently where they are to where the Houston Rockets and Golden State Warriors are. Yeah, so this is kind of the question is, this is a big picture question that we heard from Dennis Lindsay at the end of season media availability is clearly the Jazz are now in that second tier of NBA Western Conference teams. You agree, right? Like there's there's Houston Rockets and Golden State, and then pretty clearly the Jazz are in that next tier no question. with Portland and OKC and Minnesota and everyone else. Uh, and they even may be the best team in that second tier. However, they're pretty clearly not as good as the Houston Rockets, you know, losing in five. Um, and those wins by Houston were not particularly close. Uh, and obviously you lost in four to Golden State last year, different team, but still you need to take steps forward. How do you acquire the players that you will need to take steps forward? Because I, I don't think he talked about player development as being the biggest part of that, and I actually agree with that. But even if you have Donovan Mitchell as a you know, top five shooting guard and uh, Rudy Gobert as the defensive player of the year uh, and and maybe even contributing a little bit more on offense. You still aren't as good as the Houston Rockets and, and Golden State Warriors were this year. So how do you get that third piece or how do you improve the roster? I do think you do. You, you can't say that Houston and Golden State exist in a vacuum because they do not. Houston's going to get older. Sure. Golden State's going to get older. And I actually think some of the players that they have Getting older, they're not going to go LeBron. What do you mean? As these then, guys, well, LeBron okay. at 33 years old is as good as he's ever been. Gotcha. Maybe better. I, I, I said this earlier today. Maybe I'll come back and look foolish. I don't think I will. I think we've seen the best of Steph Curry. I think the best of Steph is behind us, which is not that crazy. He won yeah. back-to-back MVPs. I don't think he's going to win another MVP. Yeah. that's He's not the best player on his roster likely. anymore. He's not even the best player on his own team. Kevin Durant's the best player on that team. And it's not, I actually don't think it's all that close. I think he's considerably better. I know Steph is hurt right now. Yeah. I wonder if Steph's going to be hurt the rest of his career, which is crazy to I say. I don't know. I think he was really good before he got hurt this year. He was. I think he, I think he was better than Kevin Durant before he got hurt this year. Interesting. I think Kevin Durant knows how to flip the switch now. Because okay. when it got to the playoffs and he said, all right, well, I need to put up 44 or whatever he had in the game one and 38 in game two, he just he does it. He's unstoppable. He's the best scorer on earth. And, you know, Steph is in that conversation too. They might have the two best Two of the three best scorers on earth, because you can throw James Harden in that conversation as well. Uh, they're just incredible. It's it's an incredible roster. Uh, and Kevin Durant's going to be good for a long time. Kevin Durant's not close to getting to that point where he's not in the MVP candidacy right. conversation. Clay Thompson's going to be good for a long time. And Draymond Green's going to be good for a long time. And I think the more I hear, the more I hear Clay talk about his role on the Warriors and what that means to him, I think it's still more likely that he stays. And I still think it's more likely that Draymond stays, because... I think he knows what he has to some degree. Absolutely. I, uh, I think Draymond would recognize the level to which... I don't want to say he would be exposed. It's not like he's not a good player. He's a great no. player. But both he and Clay, there might not be better fits for any player on any specific team in the NBA than those two guys fitting right. on with the Golden State Warriors. Those guys are just so perfectly designed to fit in with the roles that they have to because they have these unbelievable scores around them that... You know, Clay doesn't have to carry a whole load, and it doesn't matter when he has bad nights. It just doesn't matter because they're so yeah. good around him. And when he has good nights, they're absolutely unbeatable. He also grew up rich. 
You know, his dad's Michael Thompson. He grew up with money. So this yeah. idea that he's got to capitalize on all the money, he's never not known money. Now, I'd be lying if I said I knew what their financial situation was growing up, but his dad was in the NBA. It's not like he grew Probably up with finance. nothing. You yeah. know, he grew up in a very, at worst, high middle class home. And yeah. Michael Thompson is still around. He's still a guy. And and pretty clearly to me, it sounds like they're going to be able to give them whatever they want. I know that in order to keep that group around, they have. We're talking about a hundred and fifty million dollar payroll and two hundred and fifty million, maybe three hundred million dollars in terms of luxury tax and and uh, when you look at the total cost. So that's going to be a very expensive team. But this Warriors ownership has said that they're willing to pay it. So like in terms of things that are going to make the Warriors fall apart. Uh, I, I don't know that any individual thing is actually likely to happen. And so I don't think it's enough from a Utah Jazz point of view to say they're going to fall apart. We just have to bide our time. Here's the thing. They're already beatable because I think Houston could beat them. Yeah. Yeah. I still think Houston could beat them. Absolutely. Okay. I, it's 1-1 sure. now. Houston figured something out. I don't think they're beatable by the Utah Jazz, though. Oh, correct. No, absolutely right. not. But they're not this unbeatable force. So that's and, what I'm talking about is how do you get to that Houston Rockets level? Well, okay, and part of this is that they have to step back. They have to take a step back. And Houston's going to be beatable too. Houston is not far off from being beatable. Yeah, Houston, to me, it takes Chris Paul stepping back. You know, Chris Paul getting the effects of age uh, and them not being able to find... And I actually think start. a couple of these guys, there's a couple of guys on these rosters that are going to be specifically influenced by age more so than LeBron. And again... <laughs> Don't compare anyone to LeBron. Yeah, He's the freakiest player we've ever seen in NBA history. No one's ever going to be like that again. I, I firmly believe that no one will ever be like that again. Draymond could drop off somewhat considerably as he loses his athleticism. Okay, maybe. Uh, but how old is Draymond right now? I mean, right? like Played four years at gonna, Michigan it's State, It's not going right? to happen immediately. He's what, 27? 28. Like, we're still talking about four more years of... Draymond being good. I'll give him two. And I'm going to take two years off because he's played four seasons in a row going to the finals. His wear and tear on his body has added up quicker than other guys. And undersized guys, undersized bigs, their careers are shorter. I take them back a little bit. Okay. He doesn't, he can't go out every night and just be bigger and take nights off because he's bigger than guys. He has to work harder than other guys who play his position, his position every single night. Okay. I think that wears on your body. Sure. Now, he gets to take some nights off too because he's got better players around him. Which certainly right. helps, and that balances out. I think Steph's magnificence doesn't fall apart because he's always going to be a great shooter and great shooter. Look at Ray Allen. Ray Allen could have played until yeah. he was forty-five and been a great shooter. But the difference between peak Ray Allen and right Heat Ray Allen is huge. It's huge, and Steph isn't going to be ever a bad player. But if he can't beat you off the dribble and get those wide open layups that he's able to do because he is so crazy and can't run and run and run like he does right now, sure. he doesn't become the shooter he is. You know, he can't shoot because he also doesn't have Ray Allen's size. He's not as big as Ray sure. Allen was. So there are some issues, too, where those guys come back to earth. They are still going to be a championship competitor because they're going to have the second best or best player on the floor. If LeBron ever does take a step back, Kevin Durant should have the lasting power to still be the best player in the NBA. Right. And and that's what's scary to me is that you, you still have Kevin Durant being that guy and whatever, you know, sure, let's say Steph takes a, a step back. Let's say Draymond takes a step back. They're still, again, better than the Utah Jazz. If all of those things that we just mentioned happen that you said, you know, worry you about the Warriors, which I think are all legit, I think they're still better than the Utah Jazz. I also say this. That's assuming that they can all stay together. As soon as you start losing games, Le- uh, uh, Draymond's nonsense, his BS, sure. gets way less cute. 
Sure. As soon as you but start we're, losing. We're not talking about losing, losing. We're talking about winning 55. Let's say they lose this year. Let's say they don't make the championship. Okay. And I, I honestly think what we saw last night in Houston, we'll talk about this more. I think we've seen enough to know that Houston can absolutely beat them in a seven-game series. They crushed them last night, and they know the formula. The formula is attack Steph Curry over and over. You've got to shoot well. Now, you're not going to get what you got from P.J. Tucker and Eric Gordon and uh, Trevor Ariza every night. But also, James Harden was terrible last night shooting the ball. Chris Paul was not good shooting the ball last night. Was he 6 of 15? Sure. You can make up some of those shots with those guys and still have that equal average, and I think you can still beat Golden State. Okay, but Ben, you're you're missing my point that you need to be at the Rockets Golden State level right. to win the championship. Okay, so here's what I'm and saying. And how do the Jazz get there regardless of whether or not the Warriors fall or regardless of whether or not the Rockets fall? You're never going to be there until you become as good as those teams. Let me disagree with you. Because what the level is that the Golden State Warriors are playing at right now is not the standard level to win a championship. Okay. I don't but think you have to be that The level that the Houston good. Rockets are playing at right now is the level that you need to And again, I think, yeah, you, you see if Chris Paul falls back. Okay, so what do the Jazz so need at to add? At some You're point, right. you know, like whatever that, uh, then you then you start looking at the Eastern Conference and right. maybe the Philadelphia 76ers with LeBron or Boston's the Boston Celtics, great. right? Like, yeah, well, you're going to have to play at that level to you win a championship. You need another all-star. In addition to what the Jazz already have, and that's assuming that Rudy makes an All Star game next year and Donovan Mitchell makes an All Star game next year, and are both All NBA players, you're probably still one guy away, at least one guy away, and then a, yeah. a, and then depth. Yeah, and and you know I think the Jazz's depth is is decent. You know I would put the Jazz's bench against like the Warriors' bench. Uh, sure. The Rockets' bench I would say is better, uh, but anyway, I I think you've got, I think you're absolutely right. You need that third player. And that third player needs to be a specific type of player to play next to Donovan Mitchell and especially Rudy Gobert. Okay, so who's the one superstar in the NBA? We'll say superstar who's mentioned the Jazz as a potential destination for his career. There's one guy. It's Damian Lillard. Damian. Sure. Does Damian Lillard on this roster, alongside Donovan Mitchell with Rudy Gobert, make the Jazz a championship contender with this bench? Yes. Makes him really good. Might be the best team in the West in three years if Chris Paul has come back to earth, if Draymond's nonsense doesn't work, if Steph has stopped being Steph. You know, th- there's a lot of ifs, but every championship team needs ifs. Sure. Like Golden State had to, if the Jazz will be willing to take on uh, Andres Beadrins and Richard Jefferson for Rodney Hood, essentially, is what the Jazz ended up getting out of it in a 28th pick or something that I don't remember and what the, happened. The 30th pick that became Tony Bradley. If they do that and Andre Iguodala can come here and actually recapture some of what he was not anymore, what he had been in Philly, wasn't when he was he in Denver? Where was Andre Iguodala? Yeah. Is that where he was in Denver? I think so. yeah, and then you're right. came back to Golden State and ended up being this like guy again. And Steph Curry miraculously has hurt ankles and only signs a $10 million sure. contract. All those things, all those ifs have to happen, which is every championship team ever. Yeah. Like if sure. we get the best player ever born in Canton, Ohio, we might be able <laughs> right. to win We're the gonna championship. Be fine. Uh yeah, and we're going to win one, and it's going to take That's a... it. A Herculean effort, as good as we've ever seen in one game seven on the road. Sure. Uh, that's the types of ifs it takes. There's not a clear-cut path for the Jazz to get there. There's okay. not, and I don't assume that the Jazz are going to get there automatically. And I think it's fair to ask, okay, how, like, it, we've talked about, you, you mentioned Dame. Dame is a great name. Dame on the Utah Jazz makes a ton of sense, and I do think Dame on the Jazz gets you to the championship level. Uh, Dame's not coming. Dame's not coming ever. You don't think so? No. I think he Dame can get sick he, of Portland. 
No, Dame, Dame loves Portland. He's it's never stopped raving about Portland from the minute he got there. Portland has no reason to give him up whatsoever. Uh, and Dame even said it himself. He would rather be the guy that goes the long road and makes it difficult on himself rather than joining a super team. I think that's a very altruistic thing of that young man to say. He also transferred in college to go play in a better environment when he left Oakland to go play at Weber State. Like he's already upgraded his life before. Sure. Losing is so taxing. And if Portland has this They've contractual lost. hell that they have already and continue to be bad and get swept, it changes things. And you know what? It might not be his choice. Portland could absolutely decide that they want to move on. Portland's him. not going to decide to move on from Damian Lillard. I probably not. I don't say anything as a never. I never say never in the NBA because Kevin Durant <laughs> joined Steph Curry. Sure. But I'm saying if you're Dennis Lindsay up there trying to figure out what you're trying to do, what your next step needs to be, you better have a better plan than get hope Damian Lillard Damian at Lewis. some absolutely. point. Absolutely. I, I, I'm just saying one pathway for the Jazz to hope that superstar signs with them. There's only one name who's ever even mentioned it as a possibility, and that was sure. Damian Lillard. Okay. So this idea that LeBron's going to sign with the Jazz this offseason is no. bunk. It's never going to happen. The one guy who's talked about it, and might that, that makes it infinitely more possible than any other guy we've ever talked about, is Damian Lillard. Now, I will say this. I, I do think that there's a number of all-stars that would sign with the Utah Jazz because of Donovan Mitchell. Should we look at the end of 2018 NBA all-star sure, rosters? Let's do it. Like, I, I just, you know, again, your plan can't be Damian Lillard. It can't be Paul George. It can't be whoever that one name is. To me, you have to figure out what is your path to get the assets for or the cap space and the interest to go get the all-star that becomes available. Darren Mori talks about this all the time. There's not the superstar supermarket. You can't go out and pick which superstar you want. You've got to go out and get whatever superstar is going to be on the market whenever that ends up happening. Could you see DeMarcus Cousins signing with the Jazz? Uh, no, because the Jazz are... The Jazz don't consider him to be an all-star. Could you see Anthony Davis signing with the Jazz? I would no. say yes. You, yeah? He's not a guy that's out of the realm of possibilities of guys who could end up in Utah. Yeah, I can't come up with a reason why he wouldn't. It's like 5%. It's not 100%, and there's going to be better offers on the table for him from bigger cities. Yeah. And everyone in the league will pay him whatever he wants, including the Jazz. But if you've got Rudy Gobert playing at an all-defensive level, you've got Donovan Mitchell, who looks like the best wing in the NBA. Like, Let's say he gets there. He's the best guard in the NBA. He's not going to be as good as Kevin Durant, but he's the best guard in the NBA. Anthony Davis may say, yeah, I'll go play there. It's 5%. Is he going to get the James Harden? He could. Okay. Sure. I, I, he, could get to, he could get to Dwayne Wade, and Dwayne Wade was James Dwayne Harden. Was, okay. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Durant, no. Kyrie Irving, I don't think so. LeBron, no. LaMarcus Aldridge? Yeah, he Why could. Not, time out, just real quick. Why not on Kyrie? I guess Kyrie could, and the Jazz clearly showed Kyrie tried in the to trade, yeah, yeah, the Jazz tried to trade for Kyrie, uh, and I don't know if it got to the agency point of view, but if they tried to before and thought that it could happen before, I don't see why it couldn't happen again at some point. I'd be surprised if it happened. Sure. I, I'd be surprised I if any of this happened. I think it's more likely that Anthony Davis would end up in Utah than would Kyrie Irving. Okay. LaMarcus, don't really care. Bradley Beal? LaMarcus could go to—I'm sorry that you— I get why you don't care, and I think that's a that's reasonable. I, I don't know that signing Lamarcus gets you to that championship level we're talking about, but I think that's it's not impossible that Lamarcus could find his way uh, to the Jazz. Sure, Bradley Beal, definitely possible. We've talked about it. The Wizards need to dump one of their 
three guys in order to clear up any space at all for their foreseeable future. It needs to be either Wall, Beal, or Otto Porter. Uh, John Wall, it's, it's honestly maybe paid too much and, and is, a, is a problem from a uh, characteristic point of view. Bradley Beal probably has actually the most trade value of any of those guys. No question. Uh, and Otto Porter, uh, you know, the Jazz could sign him. I don't know that the Jazz plus Otto Porter gets you to a championship. Goran Dragic, same Unless conversation. Otto Porter becomes a better player. I like Goran. I could see Goran in a Jazz uniform eventually if they wanted to have a point guard, but... Goran's the third best player on the Miami Heat right now. Right. He's not going to get you into the championship conversation. Andre Drummond is a never. Uh, Paul George is a maybe, but yeah. Paul George is... It's not going to be on your next contract, and that's, that's what starts thing. to scare me. He's four years away from talking to the Utah Jazz. Right, and so now you're talking the 34-year-old, right, because he's is he 29 right now? So I guess the 33-year-old Paul George going to Utah after the, the leg injuries that he's had. Uh, I don't think Paul George in four years is going to be a superstar-level player. Kyle Lowry. I could see him ending up in Utah. Absolutely. Kyle Lowry apparently was involved in uh, free agency conversations with the Utah Jazz last summer. Um, clearly the Raptors need to move, do something. If they get desperate and want to move one of their guys, I think they'd move Lowry over to Rosen. Uh, I think honestly, that's something that you could see even happen this off season. I don't know how that happens or, you know, how the jazz would win that bidding war, but, uh, Lowry being moved is, is absolutely possible. Kevin Love. Very possible. Very possible. Uh, and actually loves Park City. So in terms of guys who have that relationship with Utah already, um, Kevin Love has said Park City is his favorite place in the United States. Does it make the Jazz a contender? Makes them better. Makes them better. It, you know, honestly, maybe. If if Kevin Love, if you get the best out of Kevin Love, the best out of Donovan Mitchell, and the best out of Rudy Gobert, that's a really, really, really good team that I think does get to the Houston Golden State level. Huh. I think you're still a piece away. Okay. But it's not an all-star piece away. You're that superstar role player that can be signed by the Jazz away. Okay. Which is a good sign. Yeah. Um he's only 29. You know, Kevin Love is not and his his game should translate. And he's another guy who absolutely could very well easily be available this summer in the right deal. To me it's it, how do the Jazz win these bidding wars? Uh and that's why it may have to be something that takes place before this year's draft is maybe you're using number 21 as as part of the puzzle there. So you're using number 21 plus another future pick. Uh, plus, say, a, I, you know, I, I don't know how this would work out because now all of a sudden you can't trade a Dante Exum. But uh, maybe Royce O'Neal plus, uh, you know, it, it's hard to it's put hard to make the money the, work. The, yeah, the money and, honestly, the, the pieces. Victor Oladipo, maybe. No reason not to. Yeah, there's no reason he would leave Indiana right now, but, you know, sure. Chris Stapps, if the Jazz could yeah. get their international flavor up and, and he that's something he was interested in, I don't think... You know, I mean, he wouldn't work out for Philly, but maybe he wants to go to Utah. Kemba, I could absolutely see with the Jazz in two years. Uh, he's going to yeah. be, a, he's going to get a big contract next summer. Jazz could get in that conversation if they wanted to. John Wall, I don't think so. Russell Westbrook, I don't think so. Carl Anthony Towns, probably not when you have Rudy. Yeah. Clay Thompson is the pipe dream at this point. Sounds like he's going to sign with Golden State, but not maybe possible. four years down the road. Kyle Lowry, we talked about. Dame, we talked about. Al Horford, if the sure. Jazz wanted to overpay Al Horford next summer you're, or whenever you're playing he comes him back. next to Rudy. It's a power forward at that point. Uh, That's it, a little weird, right? Like, he's pretty much a center. And, uh, you know, certainly was a power forward through much of his career. Has played power forward this year. But I think it's a weirder fit next to Rudy than it is to some of the Celtic centers. Draymond? No. No. Jimmy Butler? Maybe. 
Yeah, maybe. Um, I don't know any ties there, but you know, if again, if he's a free agent and has that opportunity, what there's no reason he would say yes to the Jazz. James Harden, no. Joel Embiid, no. Demar Derozan's maybe. Demar Derozan. Weird fit next to Donovan. Correct. Steph Curry, no. Giannis. Giannis is maybe like your weird pipe dream of like something fell out of the sky in Milwaukee, couldn't resign him because it's Milwaukee. It's five years down the road. And the Jazz have, you know, an all NBA center, and Donovan Mitchell in five years is 26 years old, entering his prime. And Giannis says, yeah, sure. sure. But you're talking about five years from now, and who knows what the world looks like five years. You know what the best chance for the Jazz to get there is, honestly, which is crazy to sound? That they draft a Rudy Gobert quality player again in the 20s, and yeah. it gets them there. That's the most realistic thing. And then how many teams have won championships with three guys they drafted after the top 10 picks? Right. Very rarely. Uh, I don't think ever. I, I honestly don't know. Um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Uh, I mean, you have to trade for a misfit. You know, you have to trade for jazz, some misfits. Stockton and Malone together. almost got there. Right. And, you know, I guess Jeff Hornacek. That's it. That's how you and The they most realistic trade, chance you know, is the Jazz draft, draft another superstar in the 20s. That's the most realistic option and if you can, then maybe you can get one of these guys to sign with you as a free agent. So are you are you looking at this year's draft and saying it's superstar? Are do you look at it from that point of view, or are you just are do you look at the ceiling of these guys and say, look, we're we're gonna get someone who might be able to be a superstar one day at the you know they may be a bust, or do you get just a contributor? I honestly think you just take best player available, and like, it's, such, it's such a cop out. But like, if you think, if you believe, okay, so if you but believe there are different in, kinds of best player, like there's okay, let's talk about this. Let's talk about these guys okay. who would fit on one side of the fence or the other. When we come back, do you go high upside and trust your player development, or do you go with a guy who you think can step in and play right away? We're going to talk about that when we come back. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson, the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700, 832. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson. Thanks to everyone who's tuning in. You have questions, you want to tweet at us, at Andy B. Larson, at Ben's Hoops on Twitter. I think we convinced ourselves that Kevin Love's your best option. Yeah, we were talking about it during the break and kind of looking at what the need is there. Uh, that Kevin Love likes Park City a lot, that he, I think him playing with Quinn Snyder would make a lot of sense. He knows Ricky Rubio really well, and Ricky could be like, hey, you saw what happened with my career. Quinn Snyder is great. I, I mean, Ricky Rubio could absolutely sell the Utah Jazz to Kevin Love. Uh, it's just whether or not Kevin Love is going to be a free agent in time to make that big of a difference for the Utah Jazz, and then B, if, if it is going to be a trade over the next year or the next summer or trade deadline, whatever that looks like, do the Jazz win that bidding war? Because obviously, if he's still in Cleveland's hands, they want as much return as possible. Right, and maybe he does just say, I'll take this year. I'm a player option next year. The $25 million is great, but the Jazz are going to give me a max contract. Sure. Jazz are happy to pay me as whatever I want, or four years, $25 million. He'll be 30 at that point. If I was Dennis Lindsay, I would pay him four years and $100 million, I think, at that point. So his max would be the 10-year player max, so he could actually make up to 35. Uh I don't know that I give him thirty-five million dollars a year for you know four years, but anyway, is anyone? I don't know. No, if anyone right? Is. Like, so you so may you, be able to win that. You, you say you'll give him whatever he wants. You know he's starting. He doesn't have to do a lot of the dirty work because he's playing next to Rudy. You have one of the best coaches in the NBA of player teams that could actually afford him. You know Miami could afford him in a couple of years. Sure, if they can get rid of Hassan Whiteside, which is not possible. But yeah, you 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 hope you can get him. 
And th- that would be a realistic option. If not this summer, by trading for him, maybe you even leak that. That's what I do. But I'm a horrible, dirty GM. I leak <laughs> that I'm leak trying it. to get you Kevin Love. Stop. I leak that I'm trying to get Kevin Love so he knows I want him. And then next offseason, because I've tampered with him, I sign him to a four-year, $100 million contract. Okay. I think the Jazz actually do let guys know that they want them. Uh, I, they just do it behind the scenes. Right. Give them, give them a pair of their sneaky. dad's shoes. If they're Jay Crowder. Sure. <laughs> you find ways to talk to guys like that. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And everyone does it. And you've got, you know, every agent already. And Justin Zanuck, not to out anybody, but, you know, was a former agent himself. I'm sure he has whatever connection he wants to and whatever yeah. bat phone he wants to to make sure it's untraceable when he's texting guys or agents to let him know that, hey, I know it's three years out. We're not supposed to be talking to other teams' players, but Dennis we can, can talk do it to, too. we can talk to agents, like right. whoever Kevin Love's agent is, they can talk to. You know what I mean? Like, that would be the most realistic player I think would be out there in the NBA right now that in the next two years could join the Jazz, would still be in a conversation of being in his prime, that's an all-star level player that the Jazz could afford, that would fit with the Jazz, and would make a lot of sense because he's got you know some geographic affinity for the state. Yeah, and on the court makes some sense too, right? We're talking about the stretch four that the Jazz want. Good a fit as there gets. Yeah. It'd uh, be, yeah, it'd be great if he was as good as Derek Favors is defensively. It's not. He's not. But he's a much better offensive player yeah. and would come back here and his numbers would go up again. Yes. You would hope he could go back up to being, you know, 22 point per game guy like he was when he was in uh, Minnesota. And, you know, at one point he was way higher than that. At one point he was 24, 25 point per game guy. Even if he's 18 point per game, playing that role is huge for the Jazz. He would be the second option next to Donovan Mitchell right. on the offensive end. And then you hope that whatever your first-round pick is, this year or next year does turn into one of these guys. And if that's the conversation, and let's say the Jazz have already laid that out and have started talking about, you know, we think we can sign that guy who can be the second-best scoring option, what do you do this year in the draft? What type of player do you look at to build this roster out if you think the way to get that other guy is by signing him and not we need to draft a player that can turn into this guy? And I actually don't think it gives you a clear answer. Do you go with a guy who you say he's Chandler Hutchison? I know what he's going to be. I think he can give us 15 points a game. I think he's going to shoot 37% from the three-point line. I think he's a third option as a ball handler. But there's a chance he could be a starting small forward in the NBA. But he's 22 years old at this point. Or do you go Anthony Simmons or Simons, uh, who's from the IMG Academy, basically played five years of high school as opposed to playing any college ball. And we trust so much Simons, Anthony Simons. We trust so much our player development that you give us three years with this kid, and he's going to be an absolute freak. Yeah, I, and I think it kind of depends on what kind of kid Simons is, you know, is 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 and or anyone else you're picking in that spot. But is he a work ethic hustle guy, or did he go to five years because he's dumb and you know didn't try that hard to I, do? I think it originally he committed to, to Louisville, and then when things started to fall apart there, he said maybe I'll just stay yeah. in high school. Which okay, it's a funny thing to choose. Just, you know, and that's that's an option. And you know, obviously, you're not against picking Louisville guys because you know maybe Donovan Mitchell's in the same shoes if he if he's uh, picked up two years later. You know, who knows? Um, but I I I do think that where you are as a franchise should kind of inform this decision of how you draft. And do you go for the Hutchinson Hutchinson types or do you go for the the bigger player who has that kind of potential? What did the Jazz get lucky with Royce O'Neal? Oh, uh, no, I kind of don't think they did. So if you're going to draft Hutchison at 21, don't you just go do what no, you do with Royce I, O'Neal? So that's not the same thing, though, right? Like just because they didn't get lucky with Royce O'Neal doesn't mean you can do it again. It's not luck at all. 
is it replicable? I don't know that it is. Because you would know you, that there are. You've like, already signed three guys like that. Yeah, I don't know that there are a bunch of Royce O'Neills out there waiting to be discovered. I think that's too simplistic and doesn't give enough credit to the other thirty NBA teams, or en- enough credit to the Utah Jazz to you know if there were three other Royce O'Neills out there that they knew about, they would have signed him already. Where do you go? So where do you go? In so the I I go high. I go high potential. You go ridiculously go high upside. Okay. You know, I uh, whoever that guy is in the late first round of this draft that you can you can say, hey, this kid has potential, and I believe in my player development staff. Um, by the way, it sounds like all the assistant coaches are coming back besides Igor. So you've got a you still got the player development staff that you thought you would have, um, and you you can make these guys into you know, you can take athleticism and turn it into real NBA talent. So here's those guys then that let's say even on the very high end maybe don't have a chance to get to the Jazz, but let's start with Kevin Knox, and I'm going off ESPN's mock draft right now. Okay. They've got Kevin Knox at fifteen. Small forward power forward. Think the same frame as a he's not he's not as tall as Jason Tatum, but he's that type of player. You hope he's that type of player. He's nowhere near that skilled at this point in his life. But Kentucky was weird last year. He was a much higher recruit than even being drafted at 15 would indicate. He was kind of thought of as being better than that yeah. at one point. High upside player. Jair Smith, high upside player. Uh, was not a top 100 recruit coming out of high school, which is a little bit of a red flag, but kind of turned it on for a pretty good Texas Tech team this year. Yeah. Uh, and, and to me, you're looking for guys who have the work ethic and have the the length, but don't have the the skills that you think you can add. Uh, so like Donovan Mitchell last year didn't have the the skill, right? Like he could he could shoot, he was bad at it. Uh, he couldn't finish off of one leg. Figured that out, you know. But clearly had the package to be something to be something more. Aaron Holiday is a guy who has lower upside, but. Could probably come in and help you pretty quickly. Yeah, but he might be short enough uh, and just not athletic enough, quite frankly. He's not that fast uh, to be a high upside guy. Uh, Keita Bates-Jop, who they've got going 18 overall to the San Antonio Spurs. He's a junior, I want to say, and I also think he redshirted a year, so he might be as old as most seniors are. I could be wrong on that. He's an interesting player because he might be a small forward, power forward, uh, kind of in the mold of Joe Ingles. But okay. a better defensive player has crazy length. Questions about his motor. I've watched him a little bit play. Can shoot the ball a little bit. He's he's an intriguing player. Was the Big Ten Player of the Year, which is a good sign. Uh, what do you think about? But I... Keita Bates Jop is a guy you're you're pulling in as a Royce O'Neal. That's and what I mean by that is it's a guy who you want to come in and kind of contribute pretty quickly and isn't necessarily a high upside guy. Troy Brown from Oregon, high upside guy. Didn't show a lot at Oregon. Has the body. Has the athleticism, couldn't shoot the ball. You're trusting yourself to develop okay. him as a shooter. Not that long, but yeah, agreed. Uh, DeAnthony Melton. DeAnthony Melton proved a little bit more at USC. Do you like USC guys? Uh, you know, I, I don't think that's necessarily you know just because he went from one school to the next doesn't okay. mean he's going to translate like everybody at that level. Uh, still has some upside. He's kind of a mixture of the both, right? Because I think he's only a sophomore this year. Maybe he's a freshman, but he's a little bit younger. He's not a senior that you know burst onto the scene later like an Aaron Holiday did. He's probably got more upside than that, but wasn't as good a player in college as Aaron Holiday was. Honestly, D. Vincenzo, Vincenzo could be. Uh, it's weird to say that like your most outstanding player is a high upside guy, but if you look at someone with that athleticism and that ability to get a shot off, he is 21. Sure. He redshirted a year so, and played two years at at 
Villanova and was coming off the bench. I mean, there, yeah. there's a couple of red flags there. Then again, Jalen Brunson is a winner and won two championships, I think. I think Jalen Brunson's a senior. So he won two championships at Villanova. So, yeah, you're not going to start him in front of Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson's dad's an NBA coach, or was, before he went all no. pervy on everybody. So, it's yeah, not good. Uh, the not good, but Jalen Brunson apparently is a total pro, is a total lock to come in. But that's a low upside guy that you bring in because you want to play him right away. I, I just think that you do, to some degree, get someone who can, uh, to, who can create their own shot to some extent, who someone... Uh, or, I mean, maybe you, they don't have that right now, but you could teach them that, that level of, of being a, a secondary playmaker. Anthony Simons might be the guy. I don't hate it. Freak athlete. Really good shot. Never played college. Uh, was a five-star recruit. Was what, like the seventh best recruit coming out of high school? Like a type of guy who had he gone to college, yeah, seventh overall recruit coming out of high school, had he gone and played at all, probably is a lottery pick. You're going a little bit in the dark because sometimes those guys who are top 10 recruits aren't very good and end up not, not turning into great players. So you're going in a little bit blind, but I'm sure you've seen him. He's at the IMG Academy. Yeah. Good news for Jazz fans. I think Kenny Nat works there. So okay. Kenny Nat's your former assistant coach. I promise you knows Walt Perrin. I promise you <laughs> knows Kevin O'Connor. We'll talk to those guys about everything he knows about him. You'll get better insight from Kenny Nat than you will maybe anybody else at that point if Kenny Nat's still there, and I think he is. I mean, th- there's some inside connections there where the Jazz get information on him that no one else has, the way they did with Rodney Hood from Duke and Mike Krzyzewski and uh, uh, Quinn Snyder, that maybe you do draft him. And that wouldn't be crazy to me. That, honestly, I could see that type of pick being made. What's the, what's the downside? Who's the kid who got uh, drafted out of Australia last year by uh, Oklahoma Ferguson. City? Terrence Ferguson. Like, that's who you're drafting. That's okay. exactly who he is. He's Terrence Ferguson. Right. I don't hate that pick at 21. Yeah. Did he, has he turned out? Not yet. Yeah, a I think, good games. Do I think if the Jazz had him and was more in line with developing him and less concerned about what Russell Westbrook's saying about my coach or how he's coaching my team, would he be a better player than he is right now? I think he would. Okay. So maybe Anthony, Anthony Simons is the guy the Jazz take, and that's where you're saying, you know what, we think we can sign a guy next year we think we've got some money that's going to attract somebody because $25 million with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell is a very attractive situation. And then let's hope that we win the lottery again by picking a guy who can be the fifth best player in this draft, and we got him at 21. One last thought before we go to break. When have the Jazz, under the Dennis Lindsay era, been successful drafters versus when haven't they been? To me, they have, they've missed when they went low, upside, no athleticism guys. Honestly, Trey Lyles, his best athletic thing was that he had good proprioception, right? Not an athlete. Could move, not a not a jumper, not quick. Depends on what you think about Dante. I mean, Dante was kind of all Dante's, body. Okay, you're right. He's all athleticism. Um, Tony Bradley, not an athlete. Uh, he's tall and can raise his hands above his head to be a good offensive rebounder. But, yeah. To me, I think they've done a good job with the athlete. I'd say Rodney Hood's not that good of an athlete. No, agreed. He's an okay athlete. So, and that's a good pick. Very good. Pick. Uh, I'm downgrading Rodney Hood to a good pick after this this year. Sure, uh, great pick for where he was picked. Yeah, NBA player where he was picked. Going to get a decent second contract in the NBA, which makes him a good pick in the 20s. He didn't turn into Jimmy Butler like it looked like he might be able to at some point. Uh, all right, when we come back, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the NBA playoffs. Uh, and what we think happened in Golden State and Houston, what we think is going to happen with Boston and Cleveland over the weekend. Stick around. It's the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700.
The home of the best Utah jazz and NBA breakdown is right here. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson, final segment. Let's talk some NBA playoffs. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to see a game seven between the Boston Celtics and Cleveland Cavaliers. Cleveland would have to catch up, right? Like, I, right. I mean, Boston was up 2-0 on Milwaukee and looked like they were going to run away with it and still got to a seven-game series. Like, they have not been good on the road in these playoffs. Young players on the road, not against LeBron. They weren't great. And now they have to go up against LeBron. Yeah. LeBron at home understands there's some, there's some uh, not legacy on the line, but it wouldn't look good for him if he lost in the series oh, to re- Jason Tatum. I think it'd look real bad. Uh yeah, I I completely agree. Uh, I I think yeah, you're I I think you're looking at from a Cleveland point of view, winning Game Three. I think they'll win it, and then Game Four becomes really competitive. And it, it depends on the role players, right? I thought LeBron was great in Game Two. Was, I don't think he's getting. You know, George Hill scored three points. Rodney Hood did nothing. You just you just need Jordan Clarkson is terrible. Here's a hot take. Love hot takes recently. Yeah. It's more likely that Cleveland wins in six than it is that Boston wins in four. That's a wrong take. Oh, so you're, you're, well, I disagree with you. That's a cold take. Or that, is a, that is a hot take from you that is too hot and will become a cold take. You think that's a wrong take? I think that's a wrong take. You think it's more likely that Boston wins the next two games in Cleveland than it is that LeBron wins three of the next four at home and one game at Boston? Well, you're saying Cleveland in six. So, yeah, so yeah, he'd need to win four games in a row against... Boston team? Three of the four are in Cleveland at home, and he has to win one game at Boston. I don't I think he's ever going to get swept in road games. Uh, I mean, it's only two road games, though. Like, I, I, I see what you're saying, and I, I, I get it. I think we're still underma- underestimating the Boston Celtics a little bit if we, if we say that. Okay. Uh, I think last night what we saw from Houston is really scary for Golden State. How so? I think the fact that, A, you didn't get great games from James Harden and Chris Paul, and they are going to have better games, is scary. I really think there's a formula now where you realize switch everything at at uh, Steph Curry and run at him because they can't bench him. Just run at Steph Curry over and over. Yeah. And you know what? One of the things that Houston did to the Jazz, which was good, is they made you feel like your isolation was your best opportunity. And if you watch game one... They made you look like they made Houston look like their best opportunity was isolation. That was stupid because yeah, James Harden went off for forty and you got blown out in the second half. I mean, you were down ten the entire fourth quarter. You if you feel like that ends up being your result and you have to go back at isolations over and over, you just find the isolation on Steph. And I it wasn't just James Harden and Chris Paul going isolation on Steph. It was Eric Gordon, it sure. was Trevor Ariza. You could tell, green light, find the guy who Steph's guarding and go, go, go. Yeah. And then once they have to help on him, because you have to help on Steph now, that's when you start this crazy Houston Rockets passing that gets Eric Gordon, whatever, 14 threes or whatever he took, and James Harden will take 15 threes again, and Ryan Anderson can get five minutes and take two threes, and Chris Paul is going to get seven open threes. That's really scary to me because if you let Houston figure that out, and I actually thought the adjustments were good in game two. The adjustments that I thought we saw from Houston in game three against the Jazz that they never lost another game and they won three, four, and five. Mm-hmm. I thought Mike D'Antoni was a better coach in series than I predicted him to be. Yeah, I, I think he figured out the answer to the Jazz slipping picks, and then after that, they, you know, the Jazz tried a whole bunch of different stuff, and, and honestly, the Rockets were just too good for it. Um, I, I, I see what you're saying, and, and you're totally right. Uh, you're, you, you know, James Harden did not have a good night, and yet you still won by almost 30. You know, I, I thought it was, 
I thought it was very impressive from Houston. But is P.J. Tucker going to have another 8-for-9 night? Is Trevor Reza going to go 7-for-9 again? Uh, no. No. Is there, you know, Eric Gordon, 8-for-15 is a really, really great night for him. I, I think they can, I just think they can defend a lot better. Uh, I think they can avoid turnovers a lot better than they did, especially early. Uh, and I think Steph Curry is a better shooter than one for eight um, from the three-point line. I we, think we you know, know he is. That, well, yes, uh, that, but that he got 16 points and you know only a seven seven assist wasn't that big of it didn't have that big of an impact in the game. Uh, I, I think we can. I think we'll see more from Steph Curry, especially with some time off here between the game two and game three. Should give him an ability to rest. Should get him closer to 100% physically. And they're going back to Golden State. It's not like these were first yeah. two. You know, they, they did what they had to. They won one game right. at home. They right. did exactly what they had to. I am worried about how well you saw Houston play in game two. And it wouldn't stun me if they can win a game at Golden State. I know how good they are. I know Houston can win a game sure. at Golden State. It wouldn't it. surprise me if they were up 3-2 after game five. They have to figure out how to close out Golden State at that point. That's really hard, and I, I think we could see. I would not be surprised if the Warriors just win the next two games and you know make it really tough on Houston. Essentially, end it three-one lead against Houston. The Warriors have lost a three-one lead. Big thanks to Alex, our producer today. Never forget. We're gonna be back with you next week. It's the Salt City Hoop Show. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson, Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN seven hundred.